episode 25. Last week, um, I, I got a couple of good conversations going, uh, mostly good. A couple of people mentioned something I said with regards to the nature of, of uh, man. I said man is, man's not an animal. Now, obviously, maybe not obviously, but I know a man is an animal. <laughs> I mean, and I cited Romans uh, 8.1 when I said that. So the, the point I was making is that we all have a conscience, and most of us don't typically violate our conscience. So that's that was my point, um, and yet I know that humanity and men are... Uh, animals I know what they think I know because I am one right so I know what I think I know the thoughts that go through my head so it's what you do with those thoughts it's how you manifest reality out of those thoughts do you shelve them put them aside and ignore them or do you act on them right so that's that's what I was referring to the story stuff I want to get into now is back when I was 10 years old it might have started when I was nine Bryce started living with us, my stepfather, in Alabama. I mentioned before that Bryce was an artistic and creative kind of a person. So there's there's a distinction between what a craftsman, an artisan, and an artist do. So a craftsman would be somebody that works with their hands, and an artisan would be somebody that works with their head. Like, this is an old saying, it's not 100% accurate, and the debate goes on. But an artist is somebody that works with both their hands and their head. And that's just a way of setting up the, the discussion, or the talk, uh, now. Bryce was a creative individual. He was, I would say... Uh, an artist. Uh, he is an artist. He's maybe an artisan when it comes to some aspects of his creative ability and maybe a craftsman in some aspects. And yet, for a lot of the stuff that he did, he was both creative and crafty. And so artistic. He was artistic. When he, he was a professional musician when he came to live with us, and uh, I don't think he was paid that well. I don't know what he was paid. He was he played for the Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. He supplemented his income by carpentry, uh, stonemasonry, and and craft. He made sandcast candles, and we went to craft fairs and sold them in Alabama, throughout Alabama. Not just in Birmingham, but the surrounding area, you know. We would spend weekends at these craft fairs. Sometimes they were just in town at a mall or in a park or something like that. But often we would have to go out and, and, and camp for a day or two. Just remembering some of those experiences because that actually translated as well into the Canadian experience. The, the commune financed itself by craft, uh, artisan work and 
art artistry. The thing I wanted to t talk about the one time in there's a couple of times in Alabama I remember going and um, to these craft fairs. At that time, I wasn't I wasn't producing anything myself, so I was nine or ten years old. But I can remember going and you know just enjoying the the, the time. If you've been to a craft fair or an arts and craft fair, you know they're still all over the place. Up in Courtney, uh, Comox has the the uh, Philberg Festival, which is that's very close maybe a little too organized, but very close to the kind of thing that I'm talking about, the kind of fairs that we used to go to. And they were not just craft, like it wasn't like a flea market, street market craft thing, where, you know, people made things that were pointless, useless, or whatever, you know, grandma's crocheting doilies or potholders or whatever, but it was art. It, it was it, it was higher quality product, useful product, or artistic. Like it fulfilled an artistic uh, need, and it, art, art is a need, whether people acknowledge that or not. We need beauty around us. It fulfills us. It's part of what makes the human experience different from uh, other creatures. The ability to create and and make beautiful things so I, I mean i every christmas when we decorate our tree since my mom died anyway i've got even before that because i made some craft uh, ornaments for our tree similar to ones that we had bryce had exchanged candles for and we still have them there's uh, there's little drums that are made they're quite ornate made out of uh, cardboard and and velvet and felt and beads and you know stuff like that balls that are made out of styrofoam balls that are wrapped in in velvet ribbon and and like really really pretty stuff quality made like this is from the 60s and we still have it we still have these these craft um pieces so i remember clearly that when we got those i remember the fair it was in a it was in a park or in a field uh, park setting and i can remember there was peanuts growing around um I, they had gone wild i don't know if they were initially wild but there was peanuts throughout the the this little forest and peanuts are not actually a nut they're a they're a lagoon and they grow along the ground um like on vines and i can remember picking picking peanuts and eating raw peanuts and taking them back and roasting them and 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 stuff like that it was a it's one of the memories that i have of, of being a child there was another fair in alabama that i remember quite well it was when i i began to look for ways for me to capitalize on the craft fair experience and uh, we were in this mall it was in Birmingham, and I can remember the mall. I, I'm not going to say the name because it might not have been the mall that I'm thinking of. But we, the the craft fair was down one um, arm or leg of the mall, and uh, the other parts of the mall weren't weren't part of the craft fair. So, at an entry 
to the mall on the opposite end of where the craft fair was, there was this machine that uh, you put a quarter in or whatever, and and it it blew up a helium balloon, and you got this balloon with a ribbon on it. And I took those, I took a bunch of those balloons, and I drew faces on them, and then took them back to our table where we were selling the candles, and um, I sold them. Like I marked them up. 100% so I bought them for whatever 25 cents and sold them for 50 cents and uh, then people all over the mall were carrying these balloons that I had taken in different colored felt markers and whatever drew faces on them and they were buying them and walking their kids were walking around with them I'm sure when they got to the other end of the mall and saw the machine they were perhaps a little miffed but whatever this is bizarre <laughs> but when Elton John came out with that song and it has the line in it that uh, Jesus blows up balloons all all day. And so he, it's about this kid that blows up cartoon balloons, and uh, and I get he sells these balloons. And when that song came out, I was probably well into my teens by then. But it took me right back to that time in in that mall selling cartoon balloons, and uh, I never. I didn't take on myself the identity of Jesus or anything, but it was uh, it was an interesting sort of uh, reflection. So as we moved on to the property and all of these craft people, which I mentioned before, somebody did batik and leather work and wood carving and bamboo flutes and bead work, and uh, I I developed the skill to do almost all of those things. I carved. I, I carved soapstone. I I made pipes and chillums, if you know what a chillum is. And I I carved wood. I uh, made all kinds of stuff out of out of out of wood carving. I learned to make bamboo flutes. There was a Japanese fellow which I mentioned before. I learned to make flutes from him. He was a phenomenal artist. The, the flutes were more of a a money maker. I made pouches, leather pouches and uh, watch straps and sold them we when we went to a craft fair as a as the commune we shared a booth or a table or a couple of booths or tables and we had a, a, quite an array of different craft to sell and, a, and art craft and art and, and uh, it was uh, it was an experience like I loved I loved that lifestyle of traveling and listening to music and playing music. I didn't actually start playing. I started playing guitar, I think, when I was 12. I didn't actually really get into it until I was 13. So until, like, I, it was after I became a, a Christian that I began actually playing guitar regularly. Up till that point, I played drums, and uh, they gave me a sense of rhythm. So at jams, I would often play drums, and we had a lot of jam sessions. So I can remember very specifically going to fairs up in Courtney Comox in the 70s. There was always music, and there was always craft, and there was always food. I can remember going into in Duncan, or uh, Ladysmith. One of the cl most clear fairs took place in Chilliwack, and it was called the Renaissance Fair. And it was, uh, it was, it was a long weekend fair, and it was an amazing time there. Now... Part of the reason I remember it is because the the fair organizers put out 
a package of photographs and writings and uh, things, mementos, I guess you call them, things to stimulate your memory uh, about that fair. But there was other things too, like I actually made a lot of money at that fair. I had flutes and, and leather pouches and, and uh, beadwork and just, I, I, I was... I made quite a bit of, of pocket of cash, you know, and it sort of instilled in me this, I already had this desire for craft and it instilled in me this, I'm going to say entrepreneurial spirit or attitude, right? Mentality. When I was there also, there was a, there was, it was in Chilliwack, there was corn. So it was in the fall. There was a lot, there was a couple of places that were selling corn on the cob. There was one food truck, a trailer a food trailer where they sold uh, hamburgers and uh, french fries and they had corn on the cob and I went to them and I said look I'll I'll work for food because my we didn't eat a lot of hamburgers and stuff we ate a lot of beans and rice I went in there and I started just at the window taking orders then I can't remember exactly what happened the guy that ran it or the husband and wife or the guy the partnership or whoever it was they wanted to go out somewhere and ask me if I could run the kitchen and uh, so I mean then they taught me how to how to use the the grill and and make hamburgers and it was like I loved that like and it inst that instilled in me this desire to to cook like I I already had it I was already cooking at home and uh, on the on the range you know <laughs> in the commune but it gave me a real I really enjoyed doing the cook cooking part as I was examining that about me this crafty craftsmanship thing this desire to produce craft and art and i mean music as art even this is art i went on and became a carpenter worked with my stepfather bryce his dad paul through paul actually got probably the most cabinet making experience that i had i did some with bryce but mostly of that came with paul and it was old school, you know, you set up a table saw in the house and you built the cabinets there in the house. It wasn't European-style modular kitchens. I remember, Paul, at one point, we were working on um, Mewburn's place here in Qualicum Beach. And it was Bink's charity. She lived in Victoria at that time, Cherry. And uh, Bob Mewburn, Bink's died quite a few years ago but they gave us the job and we it was good money you know we got paid cash weekly pretty well so I was probably 19 at that time or 20 21 maybe 2021 20, and I was uh working with Paul my grandfather Bryce's father he commented on how long it was taking me to do something and I said yeah I just want it to be perfect and he said there's this this point where you have to allow time to influence what you're doing. He said, uh, you know, you have to find the balance between time because people are paying you and and the perfection, the, the craft, the art. So it was a hard thing for me. I, I was somewhat of a perfectionist. And it changed the way that I view things. And I still remember it, obviously. And then later, when I started my own business, at first I wanted just to make furniture and solid wood cabinetry and furniture. And I couldn't make a living doing that. But uh, 
it, it, it people don't people want the product they just don't want to pay for the product typically uh, so I worked my way into being a kitchen guy a cabinet guy. sometimes I would get employees that are employers that wanted the higher end product they didn't just want boxes cut out and put together they wanted art they wanted craft so even in this production here i still feel like i'm i'm cutting the quality like i'd rather have a higher quality than i'm putting out a product uh it, as far as the song goes especially but even this like i'd like to have better equipment and a studio and I, you know, I would like for it to be soundproof and have quality sound reproduction and uh, it's just time money you know um, part of that desire is intrinsic desire when the Israelites came out of and God wanted them to build his uh, tabernacle and the ark and if you've never read the Bible like I talk about these stories and I try to explain them because I know a lot of the people that are listening to my stories have never read the Bible I hope I'm making it interesting and I'm hoping that you would actually pick up the book and read it because it is it is very interesting. Um, sometimes it's boring, but God anointed. So he picked certain men and gave them a power, still have a cough, from the Holy, of the Holy Spirit to produce art, craft, and they produced the all of the utensils for the tabernacle and all of the the tent of the tabernacle, the tent of worship and the holy of holies and the uh, the, the laver and the altar and the, and the candlesticks and the incense uh, stands and all the tools that they needed. And they were all crafted precisely and they were, God designed it and put the design into the craftsman's mind and told Moses what he wanted, what he wanted in every aspect for the tabernacle. I feel like even like in me that there's this desire to to produce a quality product and do it as like I want to do it as unto God. Like these are things that people can't maybe understand when I say stuff like this, but I want to lay my life down in front of God and go this is this is it this is I, I, I'm doing the best I can I want I, and I want it to be pleasing to you and part of it is like you know it's not it's not that God is an ego yeah God's desire is for us and because he created us and he made us in his image and he created us for a purpose and the purpose is to be his children to be his family his sons and daughters and 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 you know it's called a bride at time at times the bride of christ these intimate it's intimate an intimate relationship that's then you have this desire to want to give uh the best i can um and in my life oh my gosh i failed horribly i, I fail at that all the time giving the people that i love my best even even giving God my best, that's something that we, we could look at at some point, you know, per, perhaps guilt-ridden, why don't I do better? There's a, there's a point in Scripture where it, it talks about, in the, in the last days, the desire for the believer to, to hear from God the Father, the God, God the Creator, well done, good and faithful servant, well done, well done, you did well. 
And that's sort of a motivation, a, a drive for everything that I do. And yet, like I said, I fall short. I hope that even now, in my mid-60s, that I can get better. And in a lot of ways, I have the opportunity to get better. I don't, I'm not, I'm not financially independent. I, I will probably never be able to retire, uh, like completely retire. I still have to make money because of the way that I live my life. The, the career I chose, and, and it's a hot and cold career and investments that I made, any kind of investments I made, they got used up in the in the slow times, you know, just to keep the family going, keep keep me going, and also the the mind that I have that I I can sit for hours and just think, just think about stuff, just meditate, and that's in the material world that's unproductive time. In my spiritual life, it's extremely valuable time, and. Um, so finding the balance between that and, and like I'm putting time into this project right now, but I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to produce. I'm going to have to either make craft like that. I've thought about that, making craft or art and, and going to uh, craft fairs again. Like I enjoyed the lifestyle. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that and not have to be in the shop and dealing with, with people, um, people's peculiarities when you work in somebody's house and you're building their kitchen it's a it's one of the higher priced items or projects in a house and people are picky you know they're picky about everything uh, they want the best price and they want the best product and it's all always this finding that balance right it's rare that i get somebody that just says you just design it and do it and but it happens, you know, so you get that creative ability and they're like, here's my budget. Let's just do this. Just give me what you can for the budget. And then we design according to their budget. That's the best way to do it. But craft, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking building a, building up my shop so it would work in the craft market. I, I always go back to God and, and I always go back to glorifying God. And, you know, some of these podcasts I find really choppy because once I start editing them, editing them they're chopped up and I don't get everything said right and that's why I comment on the, the thing at the beginning this time but there's other stuff there's always stuff like if you have any questions about the stuff I say or it seems hmm, that doesn't seem right well fire me a fire me a message um, leave a leave a comment uh, in in the YouTube if you if it's YouTube or or hit me up on Messenger or, or Facebook or I'm on uh, I'm on all of the platforms. I'm on X. I'm on uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. Whatever. However, just look me up somehow. If you can't find me, uh, get in touch with me. An email is attached to the to the file when you when you get it. If not, I'll have to figure that stuff out. Anyway, so that's twenty five. And I will do a song, and we'll see you next time, 26. I have learned 
that my God, he is faithful and he's true. He is faithful and true. And all my days as a new man, I've seen God's glory come to those who wait. God's time is right. His glory great. God's time in his right and his glory great. And all the days I spent on this planet, I know only one thing, one thing for sure, that's God's love. He'll not leave or forsake the ones he knows. I say now, look to the skies, cause he's coming back in glory. Look to the skies, he's coming back again. Look to the skies, cause he's coming back in glory. Look to the skies, cause he's coming back, I know. Coming back in glory, coming back in glory. Now tell me one thing, do you think you're ready? If Christ came right now to take all his home, would you be one to go? Or would you stay? Tell me, are you one, are you one that belongs to the king? He gave his promise, I know he'll stand by To come and take us all his loved ones home God's word says, no man knows the time But you can tell, I can tell When it's getting close, and it's getting close So now, look to the skies, cause he's coming back in glory Look to the skies, he's coming back again Look to the skies, cause he's coming back real soon now Look to the skies, he's coming back in glory Coming back in glory, coming back in glory He's coming back in glory. Look to the skies, cause he's coming back real soon now. Look to the skies, he's coming back, I know. Look to the skies, he's coming back like lightning. Look to the skies, he's coming back like thunder, yeah. Look to the skies, cause he's coming back in glory. Look to the skies, cause he's coming back, I know. Coming back like lightning, coming back like thunder, yeah. He's coming back in glory, yeah. He's coming back. <laughs> 